Welcome to the Fire Mark. It is January 7th, 2023. We are here at Stephen C. O'Connell Center, Gainesville, Florida. Looking forward to Florida Gators versus Georgia Bulldogs. And I'm here with one of my best friends, Ozzy. Hey, how's it going? Hey, there's Ozzy. Okay, cool. So we're just going to do a sports segment. We got a couple of fans uh, squeaking in. We're about, what, an hour before tip-off. We're excited. The weather's great. It's like in the 60s out here. Um, fans seem happy, which is something because the Gators kind of sucked this year so far. Kind of a disappointment. Yeah, we're, we're, we're realizing that we're 7-7 we're seven and seven and we just lost a uh, crappy home game to Texas A&M, who's a, who's a bad team. I was telling Ozzy on the way here that uh, the Gators were gifted a free point at the beginning of this game because Texas A&M forgot their uniforms back at the hotel and they were charged a technical foul, so the Gators got a free throw and scored one point before even tip-off and still lost the game by three. So uh, this this is this is lovely, but uh, Mike White's return. You excited? Yeah, it's got a different feeling to this game. Because of it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, this game's got a different feeling to it. Our Ojo coach is here, the one who I think took the little downward spiral with him a little bit, and a lot of fans right. have been towards him. We're glad that he left, and we didn't have to pay him. Which is yeah, fantastic, yeah, you know? that's right. Thank you, uh, thank you, Georgia, for that. And yeah, you know, no ret- refunds, no returns on that one. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, this is a special game for us because now we said it all along, we came here just to boo the guy. So hopefully he turns out the right way and come out with a victory over our old coach. We used to do a uh – a big cheer. The, we were we were here students when uh, Billy Donovan, the Gators were running through the tournament in the 2000 season, and uh, we had a uh, not safe for work uh, chant for our old Florida coach uh, Lon Kruger when the Gators played Illinois in the second round of the tournament. Remember that? Yeah. So I don't I don't know if we want to get that going every time the Gators hit a three today, but uh, I know the Gator offense isn't what it used to be. So if they if they even make one three, I think we'll be happy. Yeah. <laughs> So we'll see. Uh, biggest sports news this week, obviously, is this uh, DeMar Hamlin injury. Everybody's been talking about it. DeMar Hamlin was a safety for the Buffalo Bills that was injured. In, uh, well, he wasn't injured. He went into cardiac arrest during the game on Monday night in Buffalo versus Cincinnati. Um, Ozzy, what were your thoughts on, on the whole situation? Oh, it was a tragedy. It was a very scary thing that happened. It happened on national TV, so it got worldwide attention. You know, it's an unfortunate incident that happened with the player. And fortunately, right now, for the last reports is that he's doing well. He's off the ventilation. He's talking, uh, I think he's talking a little bit to his teammates mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So that's a great sign. And positive things have happened to it. Kind of brought the community, you know, like the whole people together in football in that aspect of it. Yeah. You know, I heard he got a big donation to his toy fund, mm-hmm. fund you know, that a lot of people donated towards him to probably could feel better. But. It's good to see that type of, uh, you know, positivity reaction. You the, know, humanity the humanity of it, of it all. Yeah. On the sports aspect of it that we don't see too often, unfortunately. We see a lot of things happen on the football field, but nothing like that has ever happened before. So, it's a, you know, good positive response that he's doing well and his family luckily was there. That's one of the fortunate things that you got to look at. His mom was in the stands, which I can't uh, imagine if he, she was watching on TV and trying awful. to get to him. Yeah. You know, trying to get a flight to him and stuff like that. Luckily, she was there. She went to the ambulance with him. So mm-hmm. that's. Very fortunate in that aspect of it, but, you know, it's a good thing everything's good now. Yeah, the good that comes out of it, obviously, is all the uh, prayers and the team unifying and and Buffalo and Cincinnati getting together and all the NFL teams and all the donations for uh, DeMar Hamlin's fund that he was raising for, I think, uh, Children's Charity for Toys. 
and that was all great. But uh, honestly, like the NFL, and you know, it was quite interesting. Like I was getting all these updates and text messages. I wasn't watching the game live because I was on the phone. And then when I finally watched it, I was just like, okay. And it was very weird to me because a lot of people were talking about this, uh, this uh, commodio, commotio, however you say, cordis, which is a condition um, that can happen when you're struck in the chest uh, with an object or at a high velocity. And I'm a former paramedic and firefighter, so I do know about this condition. And not to get too technical on it, but um, it's it's a very rare condition. And not only that, but DeMar Hamlin didn't meet all the criteria for it. Uh, it typically happens to males who are a younger age uh, that aren't fully developed because the chest wall is not fully developed yet. And he was 24 years old. Um, and also, it's an instantaneous reaction. And if you watch the play, you know, he, he gets hit. He falls down, then he gets up on all fours, then he stands up, then he walks around for a few moments, and then he actually, if you really watch it, he looks and he, you could see him know that he was going to pass out because he tries to sit down. Like, if you've seen other people that have cardiac arrests or other incidents, they just completely lose consciousness and they flop over and their body falls like a ton of bricks. He knew he was going to pass out because he, you could see him wobble and then he tries to sit down and then he falls over. So... um. He obviously arrested. It's a miracle, obviously, that he got uh, pulses back on the field and that he was transported to the hospital. Then I heard he rearrested before or when he got to the ER and they were able to get him back again. And, you know, the statistics say that uh, actually 5% of people who um, have a cardiac arrest actually survive and have any viability and make it out of the hospital. So he's a 5%er. He's, he's 1 in 20. Um, just uh, same as... Uh, a guy I actually had a, a code save at a, at a football game myself back in 2014 at a UCF game, and I'm still friends with the guy today. And, um, you know, my uh, my father-in-law also had a very similar experience. So, you know, I happen to know a couple of what I call the five percenters that, that went through that. So um, it's really amazing and a tribute to the, the paramedics on scene and the quick response. But uh, I got to give, you know, demerits and shenanigans to the NFL over handling this entire situation. Um, you know, I, I was watching, uh, I reviewed the game. They kept saying that, you know, he was off the field in 16 minutes when it was really more like 30, trying to make themselves look better. And then they came out afterward and this complete moron, Troy Vincent, who talking to you before, I didn't realize was the former, uh, Dolphins and Eagles, uh, defensive back who used to work for the NFLPA, but we looked up that now works and represents the NFL and he was saying that it was always their response that they were going to go ahead and cancel the game. And I'm going to call in bullshit on that because not only was ESPN reporting three separate times that they were hearing from league officials that they were going to restart the game, but Joe Burrow was seen on the sidelines on video with his helmet on throwing the football. And you wouldn't be doing that and you wouldn't be warming up unless you're going to go back into the game. So ESPN is a bunch of liars about that. And, and you know, now obviously they're trying to save face and they're trying to double down and there's a war of words between ESPN and the NFL about this. But ESPN is saying, no, you guys told us three times. So I really feel that even taking an hour to go ahead and postpone the game was inappropriate. Once you knew that CPR was in progress, you needed to postpone the game. Um, you know, this is, this is more than just, you know, your regular ACL injury or a Joe Theismann leg break. Like, you know, this was emotional and that the players were going to be affected and they weren't going to be able to to get together and, and play a game. And, you know, interestingly, we didn't speak about this, Ozzy, but, you know, it almost goes back to you remember it was uh, what two seasons ago when Keontae Johnson for the Gators, um, he came out after a uh, 
a timeout uh, five, six minutes into a game versus Florida State, and he collapsed right on the on the court. And they continue playing the basketball game. Yep. You know, and then after the basketball game, they lost, of course. The, 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 and Keontae ended up being okay, thank God. But the, the team took like two weeks off to recover from the trauma. And I'm like, you don't think it was a trauma watching the guy fall like a ton of bricks on the court? And yeah. oh. I mean, and not only that, I mean, uh, during the right before the game started, the FSU coach, uh, Leonard Hamilton, Leonard Hamilton went up to Mike White and asked him if he didn't want to continue. They understand that they want to cancel the game. And Mike White said, no, we're going to go ahead and continue. So he was given the opportunity by the opposing coach to actually right. cancel that game. And he refused to do it. And awful. It was awful. It was a bad call on his part, and another reason why we're glad he's no longer here. Yeah, that was the beginning of the end for me. That moment was really where I was just like, this guy doesn't care about the players. This isn't the person I want representing the University of Florida anymore. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's gone. And, you know, we just looked at the line at this game today. The Gators are somehow favored by eight and a half points. I don't know how that's possible. Georgia's 11-3. and three. They just beat Auburn, who was ranked 22nd in the country. Um, I mean, maybe the rest of Georgia's wins, I haven't looked at their schedule, were a bunch of garbage. So the 11-3 and three is misleading because I know you usually play cupcakes before you get into conference schedules. But, um, you know, I just want to win. Win this game by a point. I don't care if it's triple overtime. Just win this damn game. All right. I, I can't see Mike White coming out of here. He barely won any games when he was coaching here. I definitely don't want him seeing winning this building for another <laughs> team. team. Freaking well, garbage. The magic of the old dome will come back and we can win this. We, we got to be loud, you know. And uh, but, yeah, so, you know, prayers for Damar Hamlin. And, uh, you know, three days after the incident, he was able to go ahead and and write something down. And then I know he recently just did a Zoom call with the team. But um, the stupidest news that came out of the NFL was after that when they went ahead and canceled the game, and they're not resuming the game. So this Buffalo-Cincinnati game has huge playoff implications, not in terms of who's going to make the playoffs, but in terms of the seating and home field. And this is what these players play for. I mean, you know, you and I are talking, and, and you're a big Eagles fan, and obviously, you know, the Eagles have to win this weekend to go ahead and secure home field for the NFC playoffs, and this is what you play for. You, you Only one team gets to buy. Right? Yeah, and only one team gets the home field advantage. And one team gets the home field advantage all the way to the Super Bowl. Exactly. So, I mean, I it, it just boggles my mind how they had all these scenarios where they're like, well, if this happens and this happens, we're going to do a neutral site game for the AFC champion. This is a bunch of garbage. I, it, it makes no sense why they can't simply – uh, play week 18 this weekend like they're supposed to, and then next week uh, play Buffalo-Cincinnati. I don't care if they would play from where they left off at 7-3 to three or start the game over. There was only 10 minutes, 9 minutes gone in the game. But play the damn game and then lose that week off between the Super Bowl and the AFC-NFC championship games and get the whole thing in. But, you know, the NFL – I, I my biggest thing is just like you're losing the integrity of your sport. Your whole sport is to go ahead and fight for home field, to fight for the best record. Uh, you're devaluing the entire season by by doing this. I mean, there were talks initially like they were going to add an eighth playoff team to make it fair. Like, how could you do that with two weeks left in the season? And and what was the most interesting? Uh, you know, who was most mad about this were the Bengals representatives. They're like. You're not allowed to go ahead and change the rules of how the playoffs work two weeks before the thing's over. You need an entire league vote. They have an owners' meeting prior to this, you know, in the off season when they do their things in I think it's Orlando or wherever it is. I mean, this is just a bunch of hot garbage and a black eye on Roger Goodell. But do, do you really expect any different from Roger Goodell? You know, this is the same man that lets Michael Vick play. Let's uh, Ray Lewis and all these other people that have murdered people play. Aaron Hernandez, you know. 
he just it's it's just for the dollar. You know, yeah, and we also talked about the fact that there is a built-in buy in that Pro Bowl weekend, which the Pro Bowl at this point is worthless. I don't think it's been watched anymore, and they could have just skipped that. Yeah, completely worthless. And pushed everything more, and the Super Bowl will still be where it's at, and everything will be completed. But they didn't want to look at it that way either. No, I mean, it's 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 really terrible. And, you know, I I I go back and forth with, with uh, how I feel I had a – a pretty cool rant on Facebook. I'm probably going to go ahead and put it on the uh, Facebook Firemark page at some point. But, you know, it was basically going off about how the NFL um, is just really just doing it for the for the mighty dollar. And, you know, it's interesting that DeMar Hamlin wakes up and his first thing he says is who won the game. So he cares about the integrity of the game. And I was like, why doesn't Roger Goodell go ahead and answer that question for him and tell him that game that you almost died playing for is worth nothing to me and we're just going to go ahead and write it off? You know? I mean, this guy basically almost gave his life to play this game, and it means nothing to the NFL and the league you play for. That's how shitty Roger Goodell is and how little they care about the players and that it's all about the dollar. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I I just think it's so embarrassing and it's a black eye. And in my opinion, I'm, I'm... I, I'm done with the situation. I, I have said before, like, I, I hate these playoffs. You know, everybody talks about how, um, oh, they don't want college football to go to, like, a 12-team playoff. And I'm like, well, it's an invitational with all these teams. I'm like, you're fine with 12 teams making the playoffs for, for the NFL, but you're not fine with 12 teams making the playoffs for college football? Like, that makes little sense. So, you know, in my opinion, I devised a formula. Let me know what you think about it. I never discussed this with you before, where it was basically very simple on how you determine who the champion is. Everybody, all the 32 teams in the league, they're divided into four eight-team, uh, eight four-team divisions, right? All the teams play the same 14-game schedule. There's 17 games in a season, but three of the games don't match up because they're all based on where you finished the season before to try to help the team out. But there's 14 games that they play in common. You play the six in your own division. You play four from another division in your conference and four from another division in the other conference. So that's 14 games. They should take all 14 of those games, and whoever has the best record of the 14 games that everybody played in common, that team makes the playoffs, right? So now you have four division winners. You seed them one to four based on how they did in their conference. One plays four, two plays three. Those two winners play each other, and then the winners of those conference games play in the Super Bowl. That's it. But, you know, you add more playoff teams, what is that? That's more money. That's more TV. That's more money. Now they do this whole thing where it's wild card weekend, so they have two games one day, three games on Sunday, a Monday night game for the playoffs, all for money. It's always about the money. And, you know, you're using, losing this competitive aspect of it, in my opinion, by putting these, like, ho-hum teams in it. You know, I think the teams would play a lot harder. It's like college football. You know, one loss can destroy your season, so you're playing hard at week after week after week. If you know you can get into the playoffs with three or four losses, you're not going to put out your best ever weekend and week out, right? Right. So, I don't know. That's that's my rant. Any any comments? No, you said it well, man. So, what do you think about my system? Not bad. Not bad at all. So I'm going to do that. Um, I'm waiting for the results of obviously this weekend's games, and I will report back and let you know how the playoffs shake out versus on my system, and then we'll see how it plays through Roger Goodell's stupid system and uh, I guess compare the two. But, uh, you know, 
the the funny thing is that uh, you know in the national news the speaker of the house they haven't found a speaker of the house vote and it's been going eight nine ten eleven times and I thought that would be the most embarrassing thing in the week but really kudos to Roger Goodell for finding a way to make the NFL more embarrassing than the speaker <laughs> of the house so um, in other news we've got Bryce Young going pro over at Alabama um, you know I would love to see him in a Panthers uniform but we could see who we get on that so I think he's going to be good in the NFL. Um, you know, we were talking, you know, you're a big Eagles fan. Jalen Hurts is doing well for the Gator or for the uh, Eagles, and he was an Alabama quarterback. I mean, Mac Jones has been doing decent for the Patriots. So, you know, I think Saban knows how to how to coach those people up. So we'll, we'll see how that happen, goes down. And um, did you see the story where uh, Texas fired their coach, their basketball coach, Chris Beard? I don't know if you saw that. No? So that was an interesting story. Texas is doing real, really well in basketball. They're ranked, like, number six. And apparently there was a domestic violence incident in his home, and it got out of hand, and somehow the cops were called. And then the wife came out and said, I didn't want the cops to get involved, and all of this stuff happened. And so they didn't even let Chris Beard share his side of the story. They basically gave him, you either resign or get fired. And they just signed him to an extension. So he's like, well, of course I'm going to let you fire me, so then you're going to have to pay me my, my money. But, I mean, it's crazy. So, I mean, you know, we're 7-7 seven and seven with Todd Golden right now, but Chris Beard's available, so Golden doesn't step it up. I'd say we get this Chris Beard out there. But, you know, everybody's quick to have this knee-jerk reaction whenever there's any sort of, like, you know, I don't condone domestic violence in any way, but when the wife comes out and says it was all a mistake, you know, maybe, maybe we should rethink this and not have such a, a knee-jerk reaction. So, um. Anyway, that's basically our sports update. We do have TCU and Georgia playing on Monday. What are your thoughts on the game? I was kind of hoping for Michigan to be in there. But, yeah. You know, it would have been a better game. So, you know, SEC guy, but we don't like Georgia here. So it would be kind of hard to see him win back-to-back. So kind of yeah. goes out to TCU. So you'll be rooting for TCU? Yeah. I, I don't have the hatred for Georgia that a lot of people do. I know it's weird, like – as a Florida fan, like, I, I hate Tennessee. I hate FSU. Um, in football, especially all the times that we were here, we were always beating Georgia, so I never felt like the rivalry so much. I've never really been treated crappy by the fans or anything like that to really feel like like a beatdown from them. So I, I'm, I'm okay. Like, I dislike Alabama and Saban. I hate LSU, especially more now that they have uh, Brian Kelly over there. But uh, – I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I guess I'm good either way. I'm a little annoyed at the way TCU won the game because they called back that touchdown, which I thought was bullshit, remember, yeah. in the first quarter. And, and, of course, I was hoping it wouldn't matter, but, of course, TCU wins the game by six points, which is the exact same score of a touchdown. So it ends up being being a thing. But, you know, if, if Georgia is able to beat TCU, they're favored by, I think, 13 points. And I think they're going to win by more than eight. So, But we'll see what happens. Um you know, keep in mind, TCU, I brought up on the podcast last week that TCU had two pick sixes in the game, and still they only won by a touchdown. So I don't know if Georgia's going to make as many mistakes as Michigan did in that game. So we'll, we'll have to see how it goes. So anyway, we are going to look. It looks like a lot of people are starting to line up over here, so that's good. And uh, we don't have much time before kickoff, so I might try to get one quick fan interview in before uh, we go into the game. And we will check out Gators versus Bulldogs and hopefully have some revenge as Mike White's return. 
and then come back on the flip side and do a post-game wrap-up. So um, right before we go and take a quick break, before we do a fan interview, I'm just going to drop the trivia. Don't have any winners on the 30th anniversary episode with the $300, so we're going to put $25 more in the pot. So it's going to be $325 now. And um, we got to still answer the three questions at the end of uh, the segments on episode 30, but your additional question Earlier, obviously, we were talking about the terrible, tragic DeMar Hamlin injury. So your trivia question is, um, there was, in past NFL history, an actual player that died on the field and ended up passing away in the NFL. It's a hard question. So um, in what year, what was the name of the player that died and in what year did that happen in? So I'm going to need the answer to that question as well as the three from episode 30. And that will be $325 heading your way. Make sure you're the first person to play and answer the question. And we'll be right back with some fan interviews. Welcome back to the Firemark. I'm your host, Alex Berg. It is January 7, 2023, outside the Stephen C. O'Connell Center. We got some Gator fans over here. I'm here with John Krebling. John and Betsy Krebling. John and Betsy, okay, you guys are Gator fans, awesome. What are your thoughts on the game today? Well, I've been disappointed with the season so far. I hope they can turn things around. Are you guys season ticket holders? Yes. I've been for many years, since it was in the Alligator Alley. Wow, that's awesome. So I was a student here, graduated in 2000. My last season, obviously, was the national title run, so we got that, so that was awesome. Um, been been going since the beginning. Actually, I came here, believe it or not, because I was a big basketball fan, and I watched them make the run in the Final Four in 1994, and that's the reason why I came here. And after that, I actually got to work with UCF, and um, Craig Brown was an assistant coach with UCF, and so I got to work with him and everything like that. So. Ninety-four. Both of our sons were ball boys. Oh, awesome! Okay. We went to Charlotte. We did the whole routine. It was great. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. They weren't ball boys during the Final Four, but they got tickets because we were associated. Very cool. Very cool. So you've been to all the home games. Obviously, you live in Gainesville. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So what? Uh, what kind of grade would you give Todd Golden so far this year? Uh, C minus. Yeah, the offense is kind of struggling a bit, huh? Offense is struggling quite a bit. Definitely a better second half, though, against um, Texas A&M last on whatever that was, <laughs> Wednesday night. So I saw the Gators are favored by eight and a half points. I mean, I don't know how that is. I saw that Georgia has an 11-3 and record. And beat Auburn. And beat Auburn bad. Right, and we lost to Auburn. We lost to Auburn. Yeah. But both those last two SEC games were close, within three point points. Had a chance to score at the end, you know. Couldn't make us an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. <laughs> I'm surprised by that. I would really just be happy with a one-point win. I was just saying before. Sure, any kind of win. Yeah. So I, I live in Orlando. My friend that I'm with, he uh, traveled from South Florida. Obviously, we're alumni. I came back specifically because I wanted to be here for the Mike White revenge game and uh, probably going to be heading to Athens on February 28th for the game up there. Um, Kruger is supposed to be here today, too, for some reason. Really? Yeah. Oh, we were just talking about Lon Kruger before. We, we were saying how uh, we used to go to the Ale House and we were watching the tournament games in 2000, and we played Lon Kruger in the second round of the tournament when they played Illinois, and we were, you know, kind of bashing him and happy to beat him on the way to the championship game. So, all right, well. The Gators, glad you're a big fan. 
man. Yeah, well, you guys too. I mean, I would love if I lived in Gainesville. I would definitely have season tickets. I've always been this enormous basketball fan, and that's awesome. You've been support. So you said your sons were ball boys. So you've been season ticket holders for God, almost thirty years or more than. Wow, wow, fantastic, fantastic. Gets old. Do you uh, you also have season tickets for the football? Yeah. And you go to some of the other sporting events, volleyball or anything like that? Baseball. We, we pretty much catch at least one game each series for baseball. Oh, fantastic. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, this is a great town to live in, you know, with, with just, I mean, everything, with the with the weather, the culture, the sports, just being being everything around here. It's really a great it's place. It's real nice to see the gymnastics support. We've never been to gymnastics, but they sure had a full crowd last night. Oh, fantastic. The gymnastics team's doing okay? Yeah. They just started last night. Oh, wow. Well, hopefully one of our teams can bring home a national championship. You know, it's really great how Florida is so diverse with everything and can win national championships ever. I, you know, I, I do uh, – I went to a lot of the volleyball games, and I like to follow them. And, you know, my God, you see Mary Wise still coaching the team. And she was here, obviously, when I was a freshman. Like, my God, this woman is just, you know, she's crazy. When you were, ta you were talking about like 2000, 2003, I think, um, there were three kids that my daughter played high school volleyball with that were on the team. So that was very exciting. Oh, wow. So they were all local? Yes. Yeah. And they all went to, uh, what are the, Bucolts or what was it? P.K. Young. P.K. Young, that's right. Okay. Melissa Hampton, Elise uh, Cusack, and Janine Williams were all playing for the Gators for volleyball early 2000s. Wow. So they didn't have to go far to recruit. That's awesome. That's fantastic. So... All right, guys, I'll leave you to it. Thank you so much. Go Gators. Yes, and I, I really hope they get this win today. So, And I know you guys do too, so we'll be cheering hard for them. So you're podcasting for the Gator stuff? Do you do Gator stuff or do you do other? No, actually, I do uh, – basically, I normally do three segments. I do uh, current events, sports, and entertainment. But I've been doing uh, – I call them like road shows. So I've been doing these road shows, and when I go uh, to – I go to different sporting events, you know, following whatever teams that I like. Um, I'm a Carolina Panthers fan, so I'll – go to Charlotte, North Carolina, I'll do a podcast interview fans and just be traveling around and doing that and meeting people and stuff like that. So it seems to be working out and being being cool. So but anyway, yeah, it's uh it's called the Fire Mark. It's on Spotify, iTunes, all that other stuff. It'll be out next week. So if you wanna hear yourselves on it, it'd be great. It's a picture of a bald eagle with an American flag behind it. So uh I'm sorry, what did you say it was called again? The Fire Mark. Fire Mark. Yes. Okay. One word. So Okay. Even listen to one is what I meant. Okay. Well, it, everything's free. You just go on Spotify.com, search the Firemark, click on it, and you could listen right there. So okay. you'll see. It'll be the one over at Stephen Steele Connell Center. No problem. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Go All right. Gators. Go Gators. All right. Good fan interview. It's getting close to game time over here. It's about 1230. So uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, call it halftime right now and get set up to go into the game. And hopefully I couldn't find any Georgia fans to interview here, but uh, hopefully we'll find some maybe on the flip side or uh, do some post game wrap up after the game. So go Gators, Ozzy. Go Gators. And uh, yeah, we'll see you uh, when we uh, back after the game for the post game wrap up. And welcome back to the Fire Mark, January 7, 2023. The Gators win Gator basketball with an 82-75 win over conference rival Georgia. They beat Mike White in his return to the O-Dome. It was a great game. Had a blast. The Gators were all over. They were down by 13 early. They came back. They went ahead by five at halftime. 
never looked back, and they ended it on an awesome slam, and they win the game by seven. It was fantastic. What a great atmosphere in the O-Dome. Had an amazing time with one of my best friends, Ozzy, over here, and we are super excited. So uh, make sure to keep following the Firemark and the Firemark Roadshow. Uh, we'll be updates on soon and where we'll be broadcasting live from next. And we have a new show next week. And keep uh, in mind, we still have that large trivia prize. It's going to be $325 with the addition to the trivia question I asked earlier on this podcast. So please make sure to play. And we will see you guys next time on the Firemark.